0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short
1: on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in WIP Daily, Joe Gilio with you. Appreciate everyone subscribing, following, downloading the podcast as uh, we got a lot going on here. NFL training camps a couple weeks away. And of course, MLB trade deadline, August 1st with the Phillies and a lot of stuff that could happen with them between now and then. But we'll get there. But I, 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 we thought as a station and I just I can't wait to the WIP midday show. So I figured let's just do it right now here um, is to rewatch the Super Bowl. It's kind of that weird time of the year where it's like nothing's going on this week in terms of actual sports. Last night I was dead. ESPY, so I'm doing it for me. So it's like, all right, what are we gonna watch? So I watched I re-watched the Super Bowl last night in full for the first time since February. And I thought today just diving at some things I noticed. I felt like a detective going through, but like seeing crime scene another time, one last time, like taking one extra peek at it and you see something different. So I saw a lot of things. Tucker, of course, with me on our video feed. I'll bring him on in a couple minutes, a couple times I'll bring Tucker. I'll just get his thoughts on different things that I noticed that just to see what, what he thought of, of that back then. And and just, you know, as the months have gone on, how it's kind of sat in his mind. But I want to start with the bad, and then we'll get to the very good at the end. And and really one thing moving forward that I think is a big question mark for the 2023 team, just based on what I noticed in this particular game. But let's start with the the bad, I think an elephant in the room. And really what struck me re-watching the game, more than the field, and, I, and the field wasn't good. I mean, there were players slipping. I, I didn't think it was the dominant thing of the game. It was certainly a part of the game. I think it, we, it's been blown up more and more and more as the players have talked about it as the NFL has talked about it, blaming he, that person by that person, the sod father, whatever. It wasn't good. It shouldn't have been like that totally. But I don't believe the Eagles lost Super Bowl because of the field. I, I don't believe I didn't believe that really then. I don't believe it now after rewatching Super Bowl 57, which struck me in this game, watching it last night again in full was how many mistakes the Eagles made. The Eagles played a very sloppy game. And you know, typically when you say that, I don't think we say that a lot of times in what is considered a great football game. You know, That's where a team loses like 31-14. Like, man, they were sloppy. Penalties, turnovers, they were just bad. Now, I thought the Eagles were sloppy in the Super Bowl. And that's amazing because they did put up 35 points. And they had the time possession lead and they probably could have won the game if not for a call at the end. And if things go a different way, they could have won the Super Bowl, but they played really sloppy football between penalties, between pre-snap issues, the turnover, another ball that, I mean, quite frankly, if they don't overturn the call, Miles Sanders catch fumble for another Nick Bolton touchdown. They could have had two defensive touchdowns, the Chiefs, in that game. So I just thought the, 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 Eagles were very sloppy in terms of everything in that game. They had a delay of game. I don't remember if you remember this one, but they had a delay of game on the field goal drive in the third quarter it was a 17 play drive. There was a pass down the field to, uh, I believe, Devonte Smith. And then they thought they were going to get the first down. They didn't overturn call. They had to come back and they had a delay of game after the review. Which feels, in retrospect, it's ridiculous. Like, how do you, how are you not ready with a play, if you know, if that call gets overturned? So it was little things like that—the Sayamalu false start before the Jalen Hurts fumble. The, you know, you rewatch the Hurts fumble, and what I didn't even think about in the moment was he kicked the ball. So not only did he fumble it, you know, that it slipped out of his hands, and the transfer that happens in the midst of—and this is not really so much sloppy as it is just kind of bad luck. But in the midst of trying to gather himself and, and pick up the ball, he kicked it. I mean, Jalen Hurts actually, like, pushed the Chiefs to a touchdown. If he had just fallen on the ball right there, or even if he didn't grab it, but the Chiefs grabbed right there, it would have been a scrum. It would have been on the ground. They, they don't score on that play. So a lot of really weird things happen. The Quez Watkins drop. Um, you know, you go through the game and you see a lot of stuff. It's like, man, the Eagles had to waste a timeout in the third quarter, which obviously could have helped them. Late in the fourth quarter, when they were out of timeouts, the Chiefs milked the clock. So between drops and between you know delay of games and false starts and and a fumble here, it just was a really sloppy game by the Eagles. And quite frankly, the Chiefs didn't play sloppy. The, the Chiefs played a much cleaner football game. And when you're talking about a game that is tight, a game that was supposed to be tight, you know whatever what ended up being a two point. Eagles spread as as the favorite in the game wherever it it ended. I mean, it was supposed to be kind of a toss-up game with the Eagles as the favorite. So that stood out to me. The Eagles were very sloppy, and they made a lot of mistakes, a lot. I mean, we went through some of them. You go to even the Bradbury penalty at the end. Again, we don't have to like the call. That's a mistake. You can't have a holding penalty at that part of the game. So I, I just thought the Eagles really made a ton of mistakes in the game, and that cost them. The second thing that stood out to me, and i felt this since this, since the night of the Super Bowl, but the feeling has just gone. It's grown. Nick Sirianni cost them significantly in that in that game. I thought the, the Eagles were not well coached from about two minutes to go in the first half on. Yeah, they had a nice plan coming out, and they got out hot like they usually do. But from about two minutes left in the first half on, I thought Nick Sirianni really made a lot of mistakes and I thought his team was a reflection of him. So let's just go to first half. Eagles were driving towards the end of the first half. They got the ball. They had a first down 47 seconds. They had the ball on their own 47 with one seventy to go Two timeouts. There was the Devonte Smith throw down the sideline. Um, and then there was a review with 54 seconds to go. Obviously it was not, um, It was not called a catch. so That had to come back. Okay. The clock management after this with Sirianni was ridiculous. So they snuck for a first down with 52 seconds to go. They didn't use one of their two timeouts there. They didn't run the next play and finish the next play until 28 seconds to go. was an incomplete pass by by Jalen Hurts. So just think about this for a second. They had the ball in their own 47 with 117 to go and two timeouts the first half they they moved the ball six or seven yards in total and they had 28 seconds to go and they didn't use a timeout in there. I mean, they just wasted like 40 seconds. And then ultimately after a big play down the field to AJ, they didn't have time to go for a touchdown. They basically had the one play, the throw that it might've been to gain well, um, you know, for a catch timeout field goal. So they went into the half up 10, but they had a chance to go up 14 into the half. And I thought the clock management end of the first half was ridiculous. Um, The fact that he didn't go for the field – that in fact he did kick a field goal and didn't go for the touchdown late in the third quarter, I I just think is inexcusable. You know, late in the first half, Greg Olson praised Nick Sirianni for basically going for every fourth down. And then when the game is getting tight in a close game late, he kicks the field goal. 24-21 is the score. They went up 27-21, which really did nothing. And you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, and you're kicking field goals there. It was a third and five on about the fifteen. They have to try to score a touchdown there. And then the last one is the punt on the fourth and two on about the 32-yard line, about 10 minutes to go after the Chiefs had taken the lead after, you know, you know like, how could you give the ball back to Kansas City? H- how could you punt there? So, Tucker, as I rewatch the Super Bowl, I know there's been a lot made of the field. A lot made of the call on the Bradbury play. I just I was struck by how many self-inflicted wounds the Eagles had on their own, the players. And I thought Nick Sirianni kind of got away from who he was all year as that game got tight. Yeah,
2: and I think that's almost an attribute uh, of the Eagles. It almost I give them credit for putting up that many points and being that close in a game where you mentioned like they they made a ton of mistakes, a ton of errors. And I, I think when you lose a championship game like that you kind of can go back and find five, six, seven plays. I mean, think about like the other Super Bowl we talk about a lot here, Super Bowl 52. There's probably six or seven plays that Patriots fans think back on and say, man, if Tom Brady caught that ball, man, if a defensive back steps up and makes a play, man, if we get a, a tackle for loss here, the, the game turns out completely different. And the way the Eagles played on Super Bowl Sunday, the the fact that they only lost by three points is almost an achievement based on how many mistakes they made and you mentioned like it almost seemed like the moment was too big for Nick Sirianni right like think back once again to Super Bowl 52 like Doug Peterson he had no problem going forward on fourth down calling trick plays just basically saying you know what I'm going to leave it all out there I don't care and he was unafraid to to really be the the goat if they lost if they lost if let's say the Philly special doesn't work Doug Peterson would be a laughingstock right like Doug Peterson would have a ton of egg on his face. And it felt like Nick Sirianni when they got ahead and they, you know, started to, to almost feel like, wow, we have a chance at winning this. He kind of cowered in the moment and he, he took a step back and maybe the, the way they, you know, call plays, cause they've had a lot of issues with delay games since Nick Sirianni took over. Um, It's just wa- watching the game again and, and watching it. It's really tough to see how they kept it so close. I mean, they clearly were the more talented team, and you mentioned they led in almost every category. In you know, offensively, defensively, obviously they struggled, but they held Patrick Mahomes to under 200 yards passing. But the Chiefs were just so efficient. Like the Chiefs looked like a team that had been there before, that have won a Super Bowl before, that have won big games before, and the Eagles didn't. Like I don't want to say the Eagles looked. Out of place because there are a lot of guys on that team that, that were there, you know, in the Super Bowl five years earlier. But the Eagles just didn't look as prepared as the Chiefs, I think is probably my biggest takeaway.
1: Yeah, and that's on coaching. It's on all the coaches. Obviously, Gannon gets a lot of flack for the defensive issues in that game and the wide open touchdowns by the Chiefs. But at Sirianni's in charge of it all. I mean, you have that many penalties, that much sloppiness, bad decision making, clock management. It's on the coach, it's on the head coach that's above it all. And as far as not being ready for the moment, I thought about this watching the game last night a little bit. You know, if you tell me right now I could have a team that dominates the regular season, has a great point differential, wins games by double digits all the time, versus having a team that's in a bunch of toss-up games, I'm going to take the first one. I'm going to take a team that just beats the heck out of teams because that's a team that's going to win a lot of games. But there is something, and I really didn't think about this until now and, and last evening, that the Eagles didn't play many close games. They just blew teams out. And when they played a close game, it was usually against a bad team, like the Colts, where they just figured it out in the end because the Colts stink. I just didn't think the Eagles and Sirianni were prepared for every decision being that magnified, because most times the third and fourth quarter during the regular season with that team last year, it wasn't. The game was decided already they were that good. All right, let's get to the, the good of the game. And it's one that will last forever because it was that good. Jalen Hurts was amazing. He was amazing, and, and and that is including a back-breaking turnover that just can't happen. And, and but that being said, and and that was a terrible play by Hertz. He was amazing in this game. He made four or five plays that I remember saying live in the moment, and then again rewatching it like, wow, what a ridiculous play. And they're the kind of plays where, you know whatever you thought of Jalen Hurts' potential coming in the NFL, potential after his first year, there was a question of how many wow – like, would he be a wow player? Or would he be an efficient, smart, good, well-above-average player? Like, all those things where I think you could see the path to that. But it was harder until this past season to see, well, where are the wow plays? And he – in this Super Bowl – and obviously last season he made some wow plays. But in the Super Bowl, he made some wow plays. He had the one play where the pressure came – and he spun around you know, from right to left, spun back to the left, and threw across his body to the left as, as Goddard's coming you know, kind of across the field with him, and he throws it as Goddard's about to get to the sideline right over a defender's hand. Incredible. He had another one on the third and 14 after it was either delay a game or whatever penalty it was in the third quarter. I think it was delay a game. He, he threw the ball in between two defenders to Goddard. Ridiculous. I mean, you can't make a better throw under pressure. I mean, third and 14 – that was the kind of play where when he was becoming a starting quarterback, everyone's like, well, yeah, he can run. He converts some third and threes, but obvious passing down, you can't win with Jalen Hurts. Third and 14, there's no more obvious passing down in the NFL. He was brilliant. And then the running aspect of what he did. I mean, Tucker, Jalen Hurts, just to watch it again, he was brilliant in the game. And that two-point conversion, I don't think we talk about it enough. Like, I don't know if 90% of the running backs in the league get into the end zone on that. He ran through three Chiefs there. He was ridiculous in
2: this game. Yeah, and we joked about it a little bit during the season. Like, he was their short yardage back. Remember the trade deadline? They were thinking about picking up a, a running back, and it was never a, a big running back. It was never, you know, a Garrett Blunt type. And it was, well, you know, Jalen Hurts is their short yardage back. And I just watching that game and, and rewatching the Super Bowl, it reminded me of what Vince Young did against USC and obviously Vince Young won that game, but he was the offense. Like you you see performances like that in college a lot. Um, You know, sometimes in big games on almost Saturdays, you can find a dual threat quarterback who throws for 300 yards, runs for 70 and contributes five total touchdowns. I mean, Jalen Hurts carried that offense and and whether, you know, it was sloppy play, whether it was penalties, whether it was, you know, maybe a, a poor play call or two or a bad matchup, didn't really matter. Like all those mistakes that we just talked about through his just sheer will and and talent, he was able to get out of a lot of those situations. And it's unfortunate that I I think the thing that people remember most and and probably will remember most is is that fumble he lost in the first half, because I mean, I, I just don't think with any other quarterback, it's even close. Like, I don't think any other quarterback puts up 35 points with everything else that was going on that day.
1: Yeah, he was amazing. I mean, that's the only way to say it. He was amazing in the game. And the Vince Young comp is a good one. The last takeaway I had, and I'm excited to find it out. We're we're up two weeks. Less than two weeks till training camp starts with the Eagles. But it's how they replace some of the guys they lost. That there's been a, a feeling. It it just feels like the last three four months that the Eagles are just as good, or they'll be better this year. And and that they replaced all the guys they lost. And it's no big deal some of the losses because, well, they drafted Jalen Carter in the top 10 and he'll replace Javon Hargrave. And while well, Chauncey Garner-Johnson wasn't really that good anyway and and maybe they didn't want him here and all that kind of stuff, Rewatching the game, those guys are good players. I mean, Javon Hargrave is a tremendous football player. And Chauncey Garner-Johnson, on, on a day where their defense didn't make many plays, he made some plays in that game. He made some big plays in that game, coming up stuff in the run. Like, th- those are good players. And we'll see how quickly – Terrell Edmonds, Sidney Brown can replicate that if they even can. And we will see how quickly Jalen, Jalen Carter can play at a super high level if he ever can, like Javon Hargrave. There was a part in the game, second quarter, where I thought it was enlightening about how good Hargrave is and how much they might miss him, where Greg Olson relayed a story he was told by Andy Reid in you know, the pre-production meetings and all that, talking about how good the Eagles' defense is and how they present so many problems. And Olson kind of presented it as he thought – sitting down with Reed, he would be worried about Reddick and Sweat, the edge rushers. And the way he framed what Reed told him was, no, 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 the guy I'm most worried about, the guy that makes the whole thing go is Javon Hargrave in the middle. So that hit me because the Eagles lost one of their best players in the offseason, two of their best defenders off a team that was this close to winning a Super Bowl. And there was a feeling like, ah, it's all right, they'll be fine. And they might, but they might not be as good and they might not be just fine. Without those guys, really good players. The Super Bowl was an amazing game. Obviously, a, a just frustrating ending and a frustrating second half. But it was um, it was interesting to rewatch for the first time since February. Appreciate everyone listening, watching, subscribing. Back tomorrow on WIP Daily, and of course, don't forget the ninety four WIP YouTube page for our video podcast with myself and Tucker. Thank you guys so much for listening.